Well, welcome back, everyone. We have a really special guest today, Sean Carney with 40 Days for Life. He's the founder and CEO. Uh, he's done so much for the pro-life movement starting at a very early age, and he's built a nationwide and worldwide organization. Uh, Sean, great to have you on today. Good, good to be on. Thanks, Christian. Yeah, so tell us, how many cities are you in and, and, and how many uh, prayer vigils are you having all throughout the world? Well, uh, this will be a record-sized campaign. Uh, we'll have 588 cities in, in 32 different countries participating in the largest fall 40 Days for Life campaign we've ever had starting on uh, September the 23rd, which is great because the pandemic and the civil unrest was not a deterrent for our wonderful local leaders. But overall, 40 Days for Life has been done in, in 960 cities in uh, in 66 countries around the world. And it started, as you know, in, in College Station, Texas. You are an Aggie and I'm a Longhorn, so I won't hold <laughs> that against you. <laughs> we'll, forgive, we'll forgive you of that, actually. They're, they're the evil ones, remember, the Longhorns. <laughs> well, that's so funny. Well, I, I first met you getting to be Congressman Brady's campaign manager through Teresa Strack, and you're, you're involved with a lot of the local leaders here in Montgomery County. Um, you, you are um, a Houston area native, uh, you're here, and, but you're going all over the country and you're doing incredible things. Um, just really excited about what you're doing. Uh, tell us what 40 Days for Life is, and if you would, tell us how you got your start. Um, and I think there's a lot of young people out there, especially that want to do something really incredible with their life, but they just, sometimes they don't know how to go about that. So maybe you could offer some tips as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, it wasn't my intention to, to do this. Um, I wanted to be a lawyer. Mary Lisa and I were dating and we got married my junior year of, of college. We have eight beautiful children, but uh, our plan was we wanted a lot of kids and uh, I wanted to be a corporate lawyer. And so, but we volunteered for a local organization, the Coalition for Life. I was always uh Pro-life. I came from a great pro-life family and, and uh, from Tyler, Texas originally. And so we would go out when we were in College Station and peacefully pray in front of our local Planned Parenthood abortion facility. Uh, we decided to do the first ever 40 Days for Life campaign outside that facility. It was 40 days of prayer, fasting, and a nonstop, uh, peaceful, law-abiding vigil. And that dropped local abortion numbers by 28%. And uh, over the years, as, as I was going through A&M, that was 2004, I was set to graduate in 2005 and go to law school, but the local organization that I volunteered for, the Coalition for Life, hired me part-time and then asked me to serve as the director. And that was a great network of, of 60 churches throughout uh, the state, mainly Central Texas, and, you know, to, to pray and to raise awareness and to end abortion. And so it was a great honor to serve as the director uh, for, for six years there. I was there for six years. And in the midst of that, we started 40 Days for Life. And then we launched it in 2007 as a nationally coordinated effort, hopefully getting you know 20 or 25 cities. And we had 89 cities for that first nationally coordinated campaign. And it was still our intention <laughs> to do just one nationally coordinated campaign, but then that led to a spring campaign. And a lot of churches wanted to do it during Lent and go out and pray in front of their abortion facilities. So the, the, <laughs> the fall campaign happened in 07, fall of 07, spring of 08, we had our first spring campaign. And we weren't a 501c3, we had incorporated for legal reasons, but we were dead broke. We hadn't raised any money or anything. We were just doing this on the side. And uh, 40 Days for Life Inc. Didn't, didn't really exist or didn't exist as a 501c3. And we went broke and said, well, that was fun. David Burat and I, the guy that, that I launched it with. Um, and we never imagined that, you know, without, well, there's no money. And uh, we, we, we can't, we were both in deep credit card debt because we had funded those first two campaigns on our credit cards. Uh, we couldn't pay the taxes on the entity. I had a lien on my house because that was the official property of 40 Days for Life. And so it was just a, kind of an entrepreneurial story. And a guy called us out of nowhere and he said, you don't know who I am, but I'm wiring you $50,000. And uh, we used that as a matching challenge. We did a fall campaign and that fall of 08, we went from 
you know, 89 cities in 07 to, to 177. And every year for the first three falls, we doubled in the number of cities we added. So it just took off and it, it's been obviously a joy uh, to be part of it, but it, 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 it was the same, you know, you asked about, you know, young people, it, it's the same formula. It was hard work. It was a lot of prayer of, of the why, why am I doing this? That part was, was easy. Um, I was always pro-life and, you know, we lose 3000 children a day in the United States alone to abortion. So, you know, the why was easy, the how we just figured out and, and, uh, it, it was hard work. I've had a job, you know, every year since I was like eight years old doing something. <laughs> so my parents and grandparents, you know, work was very, very valued and, uh, it was forced, you know, in the younger years when you don't really want to do anything. And it, it was great. I mean, the work ethic really um, helped because you can't run out and want to change the world with just good intentions. You have to rely on God, number one, and you got to be willing to do a lot of grunt work and take a lot of risks. That's so true. And, and that taking risk is something I want to harp on. Anyone that has ever started anything has had to take some risks. And you certainly did that. And you probably weren't without some sleepless nights, but you're bearing the fruit of taking those risks now. And there's so many people that are involved in this campaign. Uh, I also want to suggest that there's probably people out there that are maybe skeptical about a prayer vigil. They don't really know what that would look like camping out in front of a Planned Parenthood and going about it that way. I know from experience, uh, when I first started working for Congressman Brady, I thought I was a heck of a lot more conservative than him. And, and so, working for him, he was someone that's always gone to the Planned Parenthood to pray. And I, in my mind, I thought there would be posters of mutilated body parts, and it was just something I don't know if I wanted to be uh, a part of. I knew I was against abortion, but I didn't understand what that would look like. But when I got there, um, I've done it four years in a row now, the people were praying, uh, they were singing awesome worship music, uh, there were Catholics and Protestants to get there together. Um, just talking to the women in a very uh, uh, polite and sweet way and letting them know that there are other options. And I just thought it was such a well done, put together um, process of, of the way that this campaign is, is run on the grassroots level that I knew it was something that I wanted to be a part of. And I'm just so grateful that I've, I've gotten to be a part of this. Uh, it's and that's awesome to hear and and that was our biggest hurdle that you mentioned you know are, don't crazy people go out at abortion clinics and aren't they violent and aren't they terrorists and all that because there has been violence against abortion doctors and against abortion facilities in the in the 1990s when you know i was in elementary school and middle school but um that was the biggest hurdle to overcome this is law abiding we work with the police all of our volunteers have had 1 million people around the world participate in 40 days for life at this point they have to sign a statement of peace saying they're going to be law-abiding saying they're going to be christ-like and and that's what's made 40 days for life approachable and your example of, of congressman brady is, is is a very typical one he's my congressman um but he is very typical in that he was invited to go out he thought i've never done that before but i should and he went out and uh and he saw the power of that and and he would do that if he wasn't a congressman which is which is always encouraging for constituents to hear but you know he is pro-life and he went out there and and kind of got hooked on it and i've gone out with him uh, uh before to the big Planned parenthood in in uh in houston but that is very normal for people. They're like, I've never thought about doing that or I'm afraid to do that. If you have a little bit of fear, you're just normal, you know? But when you go out there, it's, as Mother Teresa says, we have to be the hands and feet of Christ. And when we go out there, those women have an opportunity to turn around. We've had 17,226 women turn around at the very last moment. Those are the ones that, that we know about, you know, those babies that we've seen and met. Um, there have been 206 abortion facility workers who have had a change of heart and left their job, including Abby Johnson, who I knew for eight years when she worked at Planned Parenthood, and she walked right, right into my office. Hers was the original location, the, the Planned Parenthood in College Station, Texas. So, uh, you know, it was 
it was a great, it's a great opportunity to physically be present, to disarm the other side with, with prayer and fasting and with a, a, a sincere desire to help. And that's why we see obviously the women turn around, but certainly those workers, you know, who hate us the first couple of weeks and think we're a bunch of religious zealots and all that goes away with commitment. All that goes away when you show up at six o'clock in the morning, you're there at midnight and that resonates with them. These aren't, uh, we, we don't have our minds made up on abortion. Um, every heart can be pierced and that's why it, it's had a profound impact on the abortion facility workers. We've also seen 107 abortion facilities close because it just kills their business, no pun intended. And it, it drives away clients and it gets people to choose life. And when you choose life, the abortion industry loses between, you know, four and $600. Well, I'm glad you brought up the movie Unplanned. Um, that was something that I was blessed to get to see. I think that was last year, early last year incredible movie and i've since connected with abby i think that movie's a really great display of yours and horror's stories uh, because it, it it intertwines it and it shows how prayer in your part can make the difference and how this former uh, planned parenthood director became a pro-life activist and um, i'm just so excited about that she's going to be on the show at some point too a little teaser there um, and I'm just grateful for all of the work that you've done, Sean. I think that's just an incredible story. It is. And what people should know is unplanned. Number one, it's a good movie, um, but it's accurate. It's, it's very accurate, which makes it tough to watch it. It's at some points, but it's a great movie for, for pro-life people, but it has changed a lot of people's minds on abortion and it's, it's, it's saved the lives. I mean, there are pregnant women that went to see it when it came out in March of 2019. And they intended on having an abortion the next day and a friend convinced them to go and they just chose life after seeing the movie um but it's a great movie too on a, on a personal level for uh texans you know it, it happened in texas if you're a houstonian that is the that is Planned Parenthood gulf coast which is our Planned Parenthood affiliate and what you see play out uh, in the movie is is not only documented in, in court documents but a lot of the quotes and the information that it, it unveils about Planned Parenthood comes from Houston. And so it's a great movie for, for all of us in Houston, but uh, really everyone in Texas to watch and, and hopefully make you very proud of our, uh, our great state, which is better than all the other states as we know. Well, again, an incredible movie, and I would encourage anybody that's listening to go out and watch that movie. You won't regret it. Um, now, talking about the issues of abortion, I think that there are two problems maybe the pro-life movement has. Um, first of all, the abortion industry has done a good job of making people think that having an abortion is no different than maybe having cosmetic surgery. And those two ideas there are drastically different. Having cosmetic surgery is one thing, but this abortion that one may have is a life-altering decision and there are spiritual and emotional and psychological implications of that decision. Uh, that's one thing. Um, the other thing is, is that when we're talking about abortion, it, it really should be, uh, the, the frustration shouldn't be at the woman having the abortion because many times she's in a very rough spot and it's a very difficult decision that she's having to make. Uh, and maybe she's uh, forced, she feels, to, to make this decision by the people that are communicating with her and giving her advice. Whereas these abortion doctors are really the ones that we should be frustrated with because the, the abortion industry makes a ton of money off of having these abortions. That's where our frustration should be. The second issue, I think, is we put a lot of emphasis on on, on not having abortions in the pro-life movement, but we should equally be talking about adoption and the importance of adoption because adoption really is the solution uh, there for uh, the abortion industry. I mean, if, if more people would adopt, then, then, then that would be fantastic. And the problem I think with our country is it's very difficult. It's, there's a lot of red tape to be able to adopt. And there's so many people waiting in long lines to have their child in their arms, but they have to go through this red tape that just seems never ending. And I've talked to many people that have gone through that process. Uh, Sean, what do you think? 
Yeah, the, you're you're right about the process being brutal for uh, adoption. At times, it's not always that way, but it, at times it is. What we have found, though, uh, because adoption is is always a, a beautiful option. Most of the women that choose life, um, they want to raise their baby. Um, they, yeah. they, and you know, you hear about these dire circumstances, which anytime we we we're, we're nervous or fearful you know women don't grow up wanting an abortion men don't grow up wanting to pay for their girlfriend or wife's abortion and certainly abortion doctors don't go to medical school to be the best abortion doctor ever they something went wrong usually medical malpractice and so they ended up doing abortion so you know no one really wants to be there except the people on the sidewalk they're offering to help that's the irony of an abortion facility but because of the wonderful free medical resources, resources that are not free at Planned Parenthood, uh, you know, there's a lot of tangible things we can offer. And so your circumstances that you feel, you know, you're, you're clouded when you have an abortion, you're not thinking clearly. And that the circumstances start to, start to be a little bit easier when you realize there's free medical help, there's free ultrasound, there's, there's free materials for you after your baby, there's parenting classes for you uh, for free. And, and all of a sudden, you know, um, it, it becomes possible. So many women keep their, their babies. Uh, we've helped a lot of women put their children up for adoption uh, who have chosen life and, and pointed them in the direction to, to do that. But um, many of them, these wonderful pregnancy resource centers that we have now that outnumber abortion providers five to one across America, they're fantastic. They have so many free resources. We work so closely with the, the pregnancy resource centers because we're on the front lines and once the women choose life, you know, that's the natural next step. And it's not judgmental and it's not something, you know, we're there after they have an abortion too. And we offer post-abortion healing and help and resources that the abortion industry has done with them by the time you know the, the abortion is over, but we're not. And that really speaks to the heart and soul of, of the pro-life movement. And I wanna go back to something you said, which is the abortion industry's sort of new tactic is they don't wanna have to get into the science because you have to blatantly deny science in order to justify uh, abortion. And abortion obviously is unsuccessful unless it kills the baby. That's the goal of the surgery. If you survive an abortion, uh, which we now have governors and, and politicians advocating for, you would leave the baby girl or baby boy on the table uh, to die. Their crime is that they survived, which is unheard of in any other medical procedure. But, uh, you know, the abortion industry is, is, has to avoid science. So their new tactic is basically to say, it's no big deal. You know, when Cecile Richards, the former CEO of Planned Parenthood, spoke at the DNC uh, a couple of years ago, she said, you know, we had an abortion. It just wasn't a big deal. That is a complete detachment from every woman who's ever had an abortion and from those women who they claim to be serving who are considering abortion. Of course, it's a difficult decision. Of course, it's a huge decision. This new approach, I think it's good for the pro-life movement. It's sort of a desperation plea. But to say, ah, it's no big deal and shout your abortion. And I had an abortion t-shirt and all these new tactics that they're doing. Nobody relates to that, but especially women who are considering abortion. They don't sit there and go, yeah, I guess it's no big deal. But why am I thinking about it all the time? Why am I talking to friends? Why am I worried about it? Because a natural law, an eternal law, it, it is a big deal. And you can certainly ask them as they're walking out back to their cars. They're not going to say it was no big deal. So Planned Parenthood has to take this flippant approach. But abortion is, is serious business. And while that is their new approach, sort of loud and proud, that is not in line with those who have the experience of having gone through an abortion, whether they regret it or not. You're, you're so right. And, and my mother gives me permission to share that um, she once had an abortion and she knows from experience and there's a lot of others that have gone through this too, that there are deep and psychological effects on the woman. And it's still something that, uh, you know, troubles many of them today. But of course, God forgives and they can repent and, and, and the Lord is so good and he forgives. Uh, but it's just, 
it, it's a deep regret and it's a loss that many of the women feel. And just because you and I are men here does not mean that we don't have something to say about the issue of abortion. And we can talk about it too. Uh, be, because, and and, and your, your mom would be a great example. I know for, for me, I was 19 when I heard five post-abortive women share their testimony and it was the opposite. It wasn't, this is a woman's issue. I should just sit here and shut up as they pour their hearts out. It was the opposite. It challenged me as a young man. Like, what am I doing? You know, most of these women have no man in their life that truly loves them. Rarely will you see a boyfriend at an abortion facility. He usually bails. Uh, some of them bail during the abortion when the woman goes back. And, and the absence of men makes it a, a men's issue. Um, and so I think more men need to need to step up. I don't know how you hear uh, women pour their hearts out who have gone through an abortion and say, ah, you know, it was your choice. You made your bed. You can sleep in it. I mean, what, what the, we, we have to stand up as men and and oppose abortion, but also offer real alternatives and, and help. That's, that's so true. And uh, you said something earlier, there are 3,000 abortions in the U.S. every day. I want to highlight that and say that there are about a million abortions each year. And there have been over 62 million babies slaughtered at the hands of Roe v. Wade since 1972. Um, that's an incredible number and it's growing. And this is a modern day genocide. And more churches should be talking about the issue of abortion. I really appreciate that the Acts 29 church that I'm a part of, um, they talk about these cultural issues, but many churches don't want to talk about this. And it is an Imago Day issue. I don't really consider abortion a political issue, although we do have to seek to end and abolish abortion through uh, the state legislature here in Texas and nationally, um, maybe through the courts at the Supreme Court, if we get another Supreme Court justice uh, that's conservative, that's possible. Uh, it is a political issue in that sense, but this is really a deeply spiritual issue. It's an issue that God cares about. It's close to his heart. It is an Imago Day issue. These babies cannot speak for themselves. There's no one else to speak for them. Any other group, maybe the AARP, the, the, the Associated Retirement People, they, they have to do everything that they can to advocate for themselves, but they can do that. Uh, any mm -hmm. uh, group with a disability, they can generally find a way to advocate for themselves, but babies in the womb cannot, and it's science. If you see a heartbeat, um, it, the qualification for life on Mars is very little. Uh, if, I mean, if there's, <laughs> you could probably it. speak to that. I mean, I mean, the, the qualification for, uh, life on the moon or any of these planets that we've, that we've looked at, it, it's so little. I, I mean, if there's, if there's just, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous that when you compare that to, uh, a baby in the womb, you can see it moving around, um, in the heartbeat. Uh, just how drastically different those mindsets are when we really try to figure out when does life begin. Um, what do you think about that? Well, well, we know from science that life begins at conception and nobody else has put a point in human history when it actually does begin if it's not conception. Something yeah. that didn't exist and, and is unrepeatable comes into existence. So it's just common sense that a four-year-old would know. Uh, that there's, you know, a baby in, uh, in mommy's tummy. But, um, you know, when you're living in the midst of an injustice, or in our case, as you said, a, a Holocaust, it, it can never live up to what, you know, you think it can be or what it actually is. You're blinded. The Germans in Nazi Germany who went along with it were blinded. The, those who said, ah, you know, I'm against slaves, but, I, you know, I don't have to grow crops. I don't know what it's like to run a plantation. You know, uh, you're on the wrong side of history and you don't realize it when you live in the midst of it all the time. But abortion is unlike anything the world has ever seen. I mean, there are 56 million abortions a year and they happen with the support worldwide. They happen with the support of over 95% of the governments in the world. 
We have yeah. never systematically dehumanized a class of people so that we could get rid of them on the same scale as abortion. It doesn't mean we run around and say, you know, my Holocaust can beat up your Holocaust. No, it shows the consistency of all Holocausts. The first thing, which is why abortion is political here in the United States and has an important political point to it, is we, Roe v. Wade dehumanized a segment of our population because of their size and location. They were in the womb and it left their humanity up to our will. We want the baby, it's great, and we're gonna have a baby shower. And if we don't, we have the right to, to get rid of that person. And Dred Scott did that to uh, did that to blacks, and Nazi law did that to Jews. We dehumanized them legally. Uh, what the scary part is for the United States and the West and, and the world where this goes on uh, is that we have given ourselves this radical autonomy that we can decide who is worth living and who's not, and that's based on our our circumstances and our feelings. And that is a dangerous world. That's how you get. A, a holocaust and with that um you know those to be on the wrong side of history is such a is such a large cliff mm -hmm. you know if, if it's not a baby then we're out sort of harassing people who are going to have their wisdom teeth removed you're sitting there going you know why who cares if they have knee surgery who cares if they have a a tooth pulled uh, that's what the abortion industry wants as we as we talked about that but it's not it's not a pulled tooth. It's not reconstructive knee surgery. Uh, nobody gets uncomfortable in a political debate when somebody brings up having your wisdom teeth removed, right. you know, or in a sermon. Uh, to, to do so would be, you know, weird. But abortion, everybody knows. Everybody knows. And thank God that after nearly five decades of legalized abortion in the United States, it is as controversial today as it ever has been. And that's why you see the conversion gate swing in one direction. People who either genuinely supported a woman's right to abortion are now pro-life. People who had abortion, the March for Life in DC is led by post-abortive women, women who have had an abortion. And, and the exodus of these abortion facility workers. I mean, we have two on staff at 40 Days for Life, a former abortion doctor who you met, Dr. Haywood Robinson, and Sue Thayer, who's a former Planned Parenthood manager. That is consistent. Christian, it, it only swings in one direction. You don't have uh, people like Kevin Brady or, or, or you, who all of a sudden, or somebody running a pregnancy center, who wake up and ever, you know raise their kids and say, you know, I've been pro-life, but I, I really should have been running a plane here in an abortion facility my whole life. And they go and they write a book and they go on the speaking circuit. You don't have those conversions. And right. so it's only in one direction. It's a great sign for the United States. And with all of the you know, the overwhelming stats, you, you cannot get overwhelmed by that. You cannot get overwhelmed by that. As a good Baptist preacher told me, the world hasn't ended yet, so God still must want something from me. And uh, very appropriate to say in 2020, <laughs> but, yeah. but the craziest year. But it, it's so true. There's so much good going on. I mentioned the, the pregnancy resource centers outnumber abortion providers five to one. Over half of all abortion businesses have gone out of business since 1991. And we see under Obama or under Trump, the last 10 years, the last 10 years, Planned Parenthood's closed 32% uh, of their locations. And that is just good news. It is changing hearts and minds. And this, you know, we changed what it meant to be an American in 1973. And through privacy is what the Supreme Court said. They just invented it. And that is, that's a dangerous world. This is the worst thing. America can do to its own citizens. It's the worst thing that we can uh, export it and fighting it, standing up to it and defending life uh, is the epitome of what makes our country great. And so uh, I, Eric Metaxas said, said that 40 Days for Life was America at its best. And it, it's these wonderful people who are going out, giving up you know, comfort and, and time to go out, peacefully pray, and offer alternatives. And you see that across the pro-life movement. Well, it's so important that we speak up for those that are oppressed. And the, the scripture as Christians calls us to do that. 
Um, and when we think about the people that are really marginalized, I know I'm a quarter Icelandic. Um, my mom is Icelandic Norwegian, so I'm a quarter Icelandic. I have family in Iceland. In Iceland, they, they do not have people with Down syndrome there that are mm -hmm. special needs. And that's because those are the babies that are forcefully aborted. Um, Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, uh, she came in with a very specific agenda, and it was to eradicate African-American people. There's a quote by her. I won't repeat the quote, but it's, it's very sick. Anybody can go look it up. Um, she did not like African-American people, and she was very, very racist. And, and it's no wonder why these abortion clinics are in African-American, uh, especially lower socioeconomic African-American communities. It's because that was the intent from the beginning. And there have been about 18 million African-American babies that have been slaughtered since 1972. It's an incredible number. And um, that's where they're really profiting in the abortion industry. Um, you've said so much today that I think is so important. Um, when we talk about public opinion and the enthusiasm, people usually talk about enthusiasm when they're talking about election outcomes and they're wanting to predict who's going to win the presidency. Um, when I look at public opinion and, and enthusiasm, I think the public opinion and, and enthusiasm gap is for the pro-life side as opposed to the pro-choice side. People that are pro-life are so enthusiastic about it, and that is why there are so many people that are willing to march for life there in Washington, D.C. That's why there are so many people that are a part of your 40 Days for Life campaign that are praying and fasting to end this genocide of abortion throughout the country. Uh, there, there's just so many people that are wanting to get involved in the pro-life movement. I know that there are so many great organizations here locally in Montgomery County, Life First with Teresa Strack and... Um, her whole idea there is just, when does life begin? I'm, I'm blessed to get to be a part of that organization. Pregnancy Assistance Center North, you talked about good alternatives to Planned Parenthood. That's an incredible group. And they teach women, they share with them what their options are because there is an alternative to abortion. When you think you have no options, you're wrong. There are options out there. Uh, there's probably so many other groups that I'm failing to mention. Um, and, and, and they're doing great work helping these women. And it's so important that we get involved and do what we can to help these groups, especially 40 Days for Life, uh, because the, you, we can make the difference. And the enthusiasm is on our side. And if you look at the polls, if you look at the research, um, the indication is that public opinion is moving in the side of life, whereas that's why they're on the abortion side having to do what you talked about early, shout their abortions, because people aren't excited to get an abortion. They, they're not excited. And if they are, there's, there, those are few of them. I mean, there's few of them that are that excited about it. They're trying to campaign to be pro-choice and, and to shout their abortions. It used to be that they were wanting it to be a small amount of abortions that were done and and they and they did they did it quietly now they're they realize they're losing this this battle here this own public opinion and so that's why they're trying to do that is they're trying to go everywhere and push and campaign for their abortion agenda because they're losing sean yeah you don't hear safe legal and rare a lot yeah. anymore yeah. um and it's you know you you hear well it's a decision between the uh, uh, her her doctor and her God, you know, you hear that thrown out. They'll always use God out there. But um, as the former abortion doctors tell me, I I'm not a doctor. I never did an abortion on any one of my patients in my legitimate practice. You don't talk to your patient. You usually don't look at them. I didn't know their name. And I went in and I did the abortion. I went to the next room and I did another abortion. And so um, it, 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 it really is built on fear and pain but you're right. The enthusiasm is is at an all time high, um, and there was a lot of work done. Now that President Trump is in office and he's a pro life president, we didn't have one with with Obama. Um, you know, one thing that can get forgotten is all of the great legislation that was passed at the state level in the Obama years, and just the growth of the pro life movement. We had this radical, the most pro abortion president ever. And yet that really created a lot of momentum for the pro-life movement. It motivated a lot of people. And that, of course, has continued now that we have a pro-life president. But it's been, um, it, it's been long in the making that this 
this tidal wave at the grassroots level, the most important level. You talked about the great resources we have here in Montgomery County. Um, you know, that goes across the nation where we have just gotten to work. We haven't thrown our hands up in the air and said, this is here to stay. Some European countries have done that, but Americans don't operate like that. If there's an injustice going on, uh, we will work to end it. And that is exactly what is happening uh, in the United States. And there's a lot of enthusiasm. There's a lot of momentum and it's easy. This is, we're not, we're not sophisticated. We're not, we're not professors at Yale because we proclaim that uh, life begins at conception and, and therefore unborn children should be protected. It is the easiest intellectual point of view of any policy of any religion in the history of the world. It's an easy position. And what is needed is just more courage uh, to, to speak out against it, to offer loving alternatives and to offer the healing of the tens to the tens of millions of women who have gone through this barbaric uh, procedure that we wouldn't wish upon our greatest enemy. And for them to, uh, you know, come out with, with, with hope and healing, you know, years after they have an abortion and, and realize they regret it. Some, a lot of it's instant now. We're getting a lot of post-abortive calls, some from inside Planned Parenthood clinics, like right after they had an abortion. But many of them are, are a year or five years or 20 years later when women need hope and healing. And, and that's, that's the beautiful thing of the pro-life movement. And that's why it's changing hearts and minds. Well, that's incredible. All the work that you're doing is making such a difference. And, um, it, it is a spiritual thing, and that's why with 40 Days for Life, the prayer and the fasting, it matters. It, it moves the needle, and, and then the gathering and the organizing, that matters. You're making a difference. Uh, I want to talk about some of the talking points that maybe uh, you would give a pro-life activist that wants to be able to talk about the issue of abortion with somebody that doesn't know necessarily how they feel or that may be pro-choice. Um, you know, one of the things that I like to think about is um, if, if someone is shot, and it, then that's obviously a homicide. And if, if they're carrying a baby, um, if they're pregnant, then that's considered a double homicide. But, I mean, you look at the situation, and, and, and obviously, I mean, if the baby's aborted, then unfortunately, that, that's not even no matter what stage they're in, that's that's not considered a death of an actual person. It's gotten to the place in our society now where we've become so depraved that they're, they're, it's infanticide. I mean, they're they're killing the baby outside of the womb. That's how sick it's it's become. And it, it, the, the debate used to be which trimester, which time period exactly in the woman's pregnancy um, is acceptable and it's not even that anymore they're 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 not even hiding the fact that they're killing an actual person i mean they're they're killing the baby outside of the womb um and do you have any talking points maybe that you could use to to equip maybe some young people that might be listening to this podcast as to how they can go about educating others yeah and to, to that point I, I will always start by saying we're we're schizophrenic when it comes to the unborn we will not serve a beer to a pregnant woman. We won't allow her to get on a roller coaster. We will do surgery on her baby in utero. It's unbelievable what we can wow. do. We can do surgery on unborn children with spina bifida. You know, we can do so many things. We can deliver the baby at 20 weeks and keep him or her alive. But if we don't want that baby, then we can go in with with tools and scissors and, and a suction tube and dismember that baby and put it in a canister. And that's the inconsistency is who gets, who is, at what point do we get our dignity during gestation? You know, we're, we're not a mutual fund. We don't gain value, you know, through nine months of gestation. We're not like, you, you know, uh, when you, t if somebody's, if a woman says I'm pregnant, you know, her family doesn't say, well, I mean, I'm, I'm happy, but how far along are you? Well, I'm 16 weeks. Okay, I'll be, I'll be even more happy when you're 20 weeks along. I mean, we don't gain value. We don't gain dignity during gestation. We just exist at conception, and then we grow. We just grow during gestation. That's all that's happening. We're growing. And that, 
the idea that you can go in and just move the first down marker of now, well, now I'm against abortion, or we shouldn't have abortion at this point, what difference does it make scientifically? Or what difference does it make ethically? You know, we, we either have dignity or we don't. And as you have these conversations, people are realizing they're choosing who gets dignity and who doesn't. And as Mother Teresa famously said, if we can tell a mom and a dad that they can pay a doctor to kill their child, how can we tell anyone not to kill anyone? You, you don't get it both ways. You, you're not able to dehumanize a segment of our population and say, well, we're, we're going to make it really rare. And it's only for children with disabilities, you know, um, as if they don't have any dignity either. But, you know, you start with that and then you go. And you have what, what Governor Cuomo celebrated last year, which is abortion at 40 weeks, which Roe v. Wade allows. And so, you know, you go from that into any circumstance for any reason. And that's that's just what you get when you give yourself that uh, autonomy. When you play God, the human heart has shown that that leads to the destruction of innocent human life when we play God. And I think that that is... You know, Flannery O'Connor says, you know, when you when you govern with tenderness, tenderness will lead you to the gas chambers. And that is that is what has happened is it's out of compassion. It's out of love that we want to sniff out this unique human being uh, because of because of where they are. And it's the most elitist thing we can do. It's eugenics. As you mentioned, Margaret Singer was in the eugenics and that means you need to be the proper race. You need to be healthy, whatever that means. You need to have all of these qualities. That's what eugenics believes. And Planned Parenthood executes eugenics every day better than any other organization in the world through abortion. And so uh, it's a very dangerous mentality. Uh, but, but what people need to understand it, when they're in conversations is the pain that has come with abortion. That, you know, <laughs> We want to protect the unborn because we love the woman and because the woman, uh, you know, loves her child. She may not realize it, but the, the mentality that we divorce a mother from her child is the most unnatural mentality uh, we, 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 we could ever have. And so I think people need to remember that every time you have somebody who supports abortion, that you're not going to get into the science a lot of it we need to share that on our end but they're not they're not worried about the science they avoid that like the plague they say that it's between you know a woman and her doctor or that it's her choice it's her body and all of that and we have never treated pregnant women like that we have never said well you know it's not a baby you can just you can get on that roller coaster i mean imagine me in at six flags and you see a, a 9 month you know, pregnant woman getting on a roller coaster, they wouldn't allow it to happen. Warner Brothers, who owns Six Flags, would be worried about getting sued. And yet that woman could go to a, a late-term abortion facility in New York and, and have an abortion. And so we're schizophrenic, and there's so many great resources that we have, 40 Days for Life. We have great podcasts uh, on this topic. I wrote books uh, on this topic. You can get a copy of the beginning of the end of abortion. And uh, we also have the 40 Days for Life app, where no matter what you're asked, uh, you, the answer is on the app. And so it's very simple, sort of the top 10 replies. You'll see that if you download the 40 Days for Life app, we have a great apologetics section, but we always need to be prepared to make a defense. And it's um, it, intellectually, it's an easy position to have. We need to know that it is. it, it comes from a place of, of love. Everyone we speak to needs to know that. Well, thank you so much for sharing those resources with us, Sean, and uh, for your explanation. You, you provided so many good talking points and points of analysis. Um, I want to talk just a little bit before I let you go about politics. And I recently got to interview with World Outreach Magazine. It was a, a Christian publication. And they asked me what I thought about the president on the issue of life. And some people may be surprised about this, but those that follow politics, I, I think there's no, uh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, 
President Trump is the most pro-life president of my generation. And Republicans didn't used to want to normally talk about the issue of abortion, but President Trump is so different. I mean, this man that has been thrice married, that's given to uh, pro-choice organizations, Planned Parenthood, uh, he's become public enemy number one of Planned Parenthood. If you go on their website, they show all that he's done, uh, March for Life, he's, he, the things that he's said, he's made it very clear where his organization is. And I don't remember ever a time at the RNC convention i got to be a national delegate this year i was blessed to do that and i was elected by all of the people in congressional district eight it was so much fun uh, unfortunately i didn't get to do it in person i watched it virtually but i got to hear abby johnson speak and there was a couple of other speakers there was i forget the woman's name she was a nun but she had her yes. doctorate degree what was her name sister dd i forget her last name Right, but her, right. She, she, her first, her first name is Adidra, but she goes by DD. Yeah, incredible. And this, this president has made it very obvious where he stands on the issue of life, and I am excited about that because that gives us great hope as pro-life activists. Uh, if we reelect President Donald Trump, and we keep Texas red, and we elect elected officials that will stand for life, then we have a very good chance of having another conservative Supreme Court justice that will work to end this genocide that is abortion. And that's very promising. Um, I don't know if you can make a stand from your organization standpoint, but, but just Sean Carney uh, as an individual, how do you feel about President Trump and, and the work that he's done there? Well, I've said publicly uh, many times, I mean, he, he is the most pro-life president we've ever had. Um, it doesn't really matter. You know, the thing with Trump, it's like everybody, when you're, when you're out, it's kind of like the first one to bring up his name is the loser of the conversation. You know, there's so many people that hate him, but most of the time I find that people that just despise Donald Trump, they don't like him personally. They don't like his attitude. They don't like his Twitter account. They don't like... They, they list off qualities that you would not like about, you know, a relative that you're just like, ah, is he coming for Thanksgiving? You know, it drives me crazy. What he has done is, is irrefutable when it comes to the, the pro-life movement. You can say the abortion industry knows he's the most pro-life president ever, but he defunded Planned Parenthood International. Uh, he was ready to defund Planned Parenthood domestically, but the, the Congress in 2017 wasn't ready. Um, you know, he, he has done so much in providing more funding for pregnancy resource centers and, and, and taking, you know, the Mexico City policy where we're no longer sending our tax dollars overseas to pay for abortions. He has done so many uh, tangible things that for people to say he's not a pro-life president, uh, just doesn't make any sense. Um, if, if he's if he's not pro if he's if he supports abortion in any way, he's not very good at because he, he keeps hurting the abortion industry. So uh, he's he has been he has been uh, a very pro life president, and um, and I, I was encouraged. And we took some heat. We're a five hundred one c three. We don't we don't go out and and. Uh, register people to vote and we don't we don't endorse candidates and all of that uh but we were so excited that the rnc uh, had abby johnson and there were some people we sent out her video and we we uh people should go watch it um and we had people that were upset why are y'all getting involved in politics and and that's a loss of perspective i mean we are we're the pro-life movement we will go to any platform given to us republican democrat uh China, Nigeria, Australia, wherever we can go to give humanity to the baby and point out this worldwide Holocaust, we, we will do it. And we're obliged to do it, by the way, morally, I feel, to refuse to speak on abortion at the RNC would be insane and, and morally irresponsible to me. But um, so it was great. It was it, overall the response to Abby and, and um, the, the nun was fantastic. It was fantastic, and, and it speaks to the enthusiasm that, that you share because that's a huge platform. Never has happened before, and I don't even nobody's been invited, I think, to share a pro-life message at any previous uh, RNC. So it was great. It was great, and, um, and, and it's good for the pro-life movement. It's good 
for the those who have no voice, which are the unborn. Yes, and we've never had a president that's done this or been a part of the March for Life in Washington, D.C. Uh, president Trump is somebody we've got to reelect. Um, I'll, I'll just make that very clear. We have a lot of people that follow this uh, show that are, are conservative, and, and we've got to get the pro-life activists involved in our fight to reelect our president. We've got to keep the state legislature. Uh, we have a nine-seat majority in the state house. We've got to do everything that we can there. We've got a real shot while we have the state Senate, the state house, and the governorship to abolish abortion in this state. And we have enough federal judges around the country. Uh, we have a, a, a Supreme Court here in Texas uh, that, that is conservative. And we can do the necessary work there uh, to fight this. And if it goes all the way to the, the biggest court in the land, um, we may have the numbers by then if we keep these people um, in power, we may have the numbers to end this genocide that is abortion. The last thing I'll say is, is Sean, you talked earlier about wanting to be a lawyer and you did the necessary work uh, to get involved in this pro-life movement. Maybe not something you'd always dreamed of doing, but you realized there was a need. And, and that's what true leaders do is they, they recognize a need and they've got to fight for something that is right. Just like President Trump. President Trump gave up the best years of his life, the golden years, uh, where he could have just been on a yacht somewhere or you know enjoying his grandchildren uh, and his money his wealth that he's earned and done all of these things that many people would have loved to do but he's given that up so that he can fight and sacrifice it to keep our country moving in the right direction and when he first started uh, keeping it from from falling in into uh, an abyss because we were on managed decline for so many years because so many uh, Democrats and Republicans, people on both sides did absolutely nothing to keep us from declining and he's working to make us great again. So we're grateful for our president. Uh, Sean, can you give us just where uh, we can keep in touch with you, maybe on Twitter or on uh, Facebook or what's the best way to keep in touch with you and to keep in touch with 40 Days for Life? Well, we're on we're on Twitter for at 40 Days for Life and I'm at Kearney Sean uh, on Twitter. We're also on Facebook. Uh, we have a, a, a YouTube channel also for 40 Days for Life where people can can stay up to date on a lot of things. The Abbey video is on there and, and there's a lot of different topics that we talked about where I've done short little uh, video blogs on. So be sure to check that out. But also the easiest way, particularly when the campaign starts, is to sign up for our email list at 40daysforlife.com. We send out the daily updates, babies that are saved abortion facilities that are closing, investigations into abortion facilities. You'll stay really up to date with the daily updates. They're short and sweet. And we also have in there our daily scripture, our daily uh, prayer intention, and our daily reflection. So it's great for, uh, for, for the mind and the soul uh, to be praying along with us during the 40 Days for Life. It starts on September the 23rd will be day one and we'll have 588 cities. So you can sign up for those emails at uh, 40daysforlife.com. It's the number 40. Awesome. And is it pretty user friendly to give on your website too? Yes. Yeah. People want to donate. You can, uh, the website is, is very user friendly. It's brand new and it's been fantastic. So uh, you can donate, you can get some gear. 40 days for like gear. We sold a lot of gear when Unplanned came out because they used all the stuff for our, from our store. You can get our books uh, on there and there's just tons of great resources um, to, to, to help you where you live and in, in your family, at, at your job uh, or in your community, defend life. Excellent. Well, Sean, thank you so much for being on today. It was really great to hear your perspective and, and all of the great things that you and 40 Days for Life are doing. I'm just so grateful for you and look forward to talking to you again soon, my friend. Take care. Absolutely. Thank you, Christian. Keep up the great work.